Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap here with Byron Lambert as we are wrapping up at least what was our um, part of the combine that we're most interested in the running backs, the wide receivers, the tight ends, the quarterbacks, the coaching availabilities, the GM availabilities there in Indianapolis. Now we can take a look back at everything and figure out what the hell happened. Here with Byron Lambert, as, 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 as mentioned, and we have a PAX pod for you today. Actually, we'll probably be breaking some of this content up into a few different podcasts, so a lot of activity on the feed coming up through the weekend and into next week. Please, if you like this content and you want us to keep doing it, we need more ratings and reviews in Apple Podcasts. We've been told, once again, we need to beat you over the head with this, so please help us out. Don't, don't let the, some, some of our partners in this business throttle the amount of frequency that we're able to give uh, to these podcasts and the amount of time that we're able to put into them because they say that we're not getting what we need from our ratings and our reviews. It's a real thing. If you want these podcasts to continue with the frequency and with the you know level of production and, and all the work that we put into them, you got to give us a rating and a review in Apple Podcasts. It takes two seconds. If you don't know how, just look up how to do it. Yeah, I, I, I can tell you how. Just You can go into Apple Podcasts search for the roster watch podcast after you type in like ros it'll just pop right up click on the icon that says rw podcast and then once you click on that it'll take you to a page what you do is you scroll down to where you see like the five stars just click the farthest right star it gives us a five star rating and then if you could just give a quick review that would be very helpful it'll take you 30 seconds thank you for that public service announcement um byron what the hell's going on brother Man, almost a decade in the books in Indianapolis at the NFL Combine for us, Alex. It's uh, difficult to believe, but uh, you know, every time we return from the NFL Combine, we come back with uh, narratives on two fronts: narratives surrounding the player highlights uh, for the uh, players that are there to participate in the event, the college players entering the NFL draft, and then, of course, we always return with a you know a panoply. What's a panoply? What's a panoply? What is a panoply? How do you even spell that? I got to look it up, man. Of course, this is a this is a this is an English an English language podcast. Uh, Panoply, a full suit of armor, knights and planopy were ready for. So it's just like a full set of attire, sort of. It's like it's a full suite of of information things a panoply p-a-n-o-p-l-y i believe alex so nonetheless we come back with a plethora of information uh, (laughs) on on the fronts of the head coaches and uh general managers currently in the nfl with all 32 teams as we poke around on all relevant fantasy players uh that are already in the league and on those rosters and how uh, they are maybe affected during this offseason process and also their trajectories. Uh, some of the, you know, the guys that are, uh, you know, at the top of our um, on the top of our heads this time of year as they project to next year. So this episode of the podcast, Alex, will contain information on both of those fronts. So we thought we would begin here with some of the player highlights uh, as it pertains to quarterbacks, tight ends and wide receivers at the NFL combine. We have more data coming in on the running backs as we speak and That'll probably be a separate and dedicated podcast uh, in its own right here in uh, just a few days. Nonetheless, Alex, we had a couple of clandestine foot injuries surface for two guys we're interested in. Uh, we always say it. 
the primary focus in Indianapolis is the medicals for all the NFL teams, and um, <clears throat> that's where they're uh, that's where they're putting these all these players through the mill. And we had a couple of surprise foot injuries. Uh, surface for Van Jefferson, the wide receiver out of Florida, a player that we saw at the senior bowl, who was, you know, very much in that mix for that wide receiver three talk there at the senior bowl. A guy folks were very interested to see how he might run. Looks like he could be out six to eight weeks uh, in recovery from what sounds like immediate, if not imminent surgery on that foot. And then of course, these are all Jones uh, fractures, right? This is all Jones yeah. fractures. Yeah. yeah. Of course, Thaddeus Moss, very, very similar injury. This must be an injury. That's just easy to fly, uh, under the radar, uh, this is Randy Moss's son who really flashed in that national championship game at the tight end position uh, for LSU. Alex, we're finding out that this is becoming quickly becoming a talent rich and very deep dynasty tight end class. Thaddeus Moss flies in the face of anything anybody will tell you about this tight end class. I I think that even the Daniel Jeremiah's of the world and the Lance Zerlines think of this as being a sort of a weak tight end class, but here's the reason why I think it's, here's the, here's the reason why I think it's different for fantasy. I think that a lot of these guys really love to have one of these, you know, at the tight end position, they have the Y. I don't know what everybody calls it, but generally they call it the Y and the H, right? And the Y is the inline dude who can block, and the H is your typical move, move tight end. They can play more of a you know, fullback or put, put them in motion out into the slot. For fantasy, we like those guys of the latter description, right? We want the ones that are catching passes, not necessarily the ones that are the dominant you know the the dominant forces as 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 run blockers i think is you know nfl types nfl evaluators the types who are looking at this stuff when you don't have a bunch of dudes like tj hawkinson who can thrive in both of those roles right or like Hay- hayden hurst or some of these types of players that they get really pumped up about their their blocking skills i think that they think that it's generally sort of a weak class because it features more of these guys that are the pass catchers that we care about. So if, if people are having trouble with that disconnect that we're saying that it's turning out, the more and more we watch these guys, that it's looking like it's going to be a good tight end class. We mean it for, for fantasy. And I think that the narrative, that narrative won't be one that you find out there very often because the simple matter is that these, uh, these just, you know, these general NFL scouting types, have basically put the narrative out there that this is not a good, you know, not a good strong tight end class. If Pana- if that makes sense at all. Panoply, a wide ranging and impressive array or display. I'm I'm with you, Alex, and I got a whole list of tight ends I want to get to here shortly. I, I I really came away quite impressed with the tight end class. I think there's going to be a lot of dynasty value to mine out of this one. Uh, some very interesting guys uh, who tested well and interviewed pretty well. First, uh, we mentioned that. Uh, quarterbacks and wide receivers have been uh, really the the source of, you know, most of everybody's focus the last few days. Uh, We have Jordan Love and Justin Herbert, two guys that we scouted live at the Senior Bowl and were quite impressed with who are just on absolute fire right now coming out of the combine, um, you know, just unscathed on, on the heels of a masterful performance really for both. Uh, Herbert's just been unbelievable throughout the process and has been getting that top five or 10 buzz. And it sounds like Jordan love is really on the way. And, and, and I'll tell you what, Alex reminds me a lot kind of of that round one buzz that drew lock was getting last year this time, except I think this is for real. I mean, and again, drew lock was, I mean, drew, drew lock. Yeah. We always thought lock was a second rounder. Herbert's so much better than, than drew lock. Exactly. So with these guys, the buzz is for real. 
the the top ten, the first round buzz. It's more like the Josh Allen buzz. You know, we said that's for real. The the Daniel Jones buzz. That's what it's starting to feel like for Herbert. It doesn't feel like the Drew Locke buzz. Exactly, and two guys who. I think are comparable in some ways to Drew Locke, but certainly we felt uh, uh, performed better at the senior bowl, better at the combine than Drew Locke. And we always had that second round grade on Locke. And and ultimately that's where Locke settled in at what what I would, I would call very equitable value for the Broncos. But nonetheless, that's a huge narrative because we've got the Tua, uh, we've got Joe Burrow, but now all of a sudden you got Justin Herbert, Jordan Love, you got Daniel Jeremiah, you know, saying that he can't imagine, uh, that Jalen Hurt, it Hurts is going to get out of round two at this point, Alex, a guy that we thought struggled early at the Senior Bowl, ultimately won, I think it was Senior Bowl MVP or practice quarterback of the week, a guy that I felt steadily improved over the course of that week, and certainly a guy who you know many were hopeful could be a Dak prospect, uh, Prescott-type prospect coming uh, uh, into the league, a little bit smaller than maybe a Dak, how we would like. But certainly Dak was not a guy who really blew any way at the Senior Bowl uh, either. And then uh, you heard a lot of buzz last night about how well uh, Jalen was spinning the football out there and what kind of combine he's had. Uh, if you have a chance, you ought to go watch the clip with Steve Mariucci. Mariucci, uh, I was going to mention I mean, the same thing. that's just absolutely yep. an incredible, mind-blowing I mean, it's, he's like a savant. I mean, on, on, on the whiteboard, it's just very, very impressive. I, I just think there's more of a place in the league for a guy like that. The reason that. why we're hearing that buzz from Daniel Jeremiah is coming out of the combine is because that's what people got on the whiteboard with Jalen Hurts. I think it had, that has as much to do with it as, as, as the way that he was throwing the football and the fast 40 time and everything else. That's a big deal, dude. For you to I mean, go in, he's, like, he he's a like coach's a real, son. I mean, he's oh. a coach's son from down in Channelview, Texas, man. Like he, but it, it, it's not just you know, it, it wasn't just the football acumen of a coach's son. It's the football acumen of a coach's son that's grown up very dedicated to his craft and has and has learned from really good, really good teachers at every step of the way. That that shit's just ingrained in in him. That's a that's a very telling video. I I, I again would would recommend everybody to get to go and watch it. Jalen Hurts and and Steve Mariucci on the on 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 the whiteboard. I mean, just in terms of character, football IQ, absolutely off the charts. It looks like a real Gruden grinder to me. And look. There's a place in the league for a guy like that. Whether he slips in the late round one like Lamar Jackson did a few years ago, I think that's hard, difficult to make that argument. But a player that we were worried might slide into day three now, I think almost completely locked into day two and, and very well could be a round two pick. So all of a sudden we've got like five good quarterback prospects here. Uh, do we? But wait, I wasn't expecting this to be a J. I, I wouldn't even expect him to talk about Jalen Hurts, but just since we are – uh, do you are we now considering Jalen Hurts a, a, a good or great quarterback prospect because he wasn't very good at the Senior Bowl? Well, I thought he improved every day, and uh, I would consider him a good quarterback prospect given given the direction of the quarterback position in the league and the type of players that have been coming to us from college. I think he's a good prospect. I mean, that's not a guarantee that he's going to be a good player in the right. NFL. There's no difference between being a good prospect and turning out. To be a good player, I mean, I you know, it was preposterous when people said Josh Allen was not a good prospect. Whether you want to argue and die on that hill or not, that he's not a good player in the NFL and never will be, you know, that's fine. Maybe that remains to be seen. But it, it's it's really quite 
uh, preposterous, you know, to make an argument that a player like that's not a good prospect. And I'm not saying Hertz is on that level, but he's a decent, he's a decent NFL quarterback prospect, right? We didn't think Dak Prescott was an elite quarterback nope. press, uh, a prospect after the senior bowl. And so you've seen what can happen there, but, I mean, he, Russell, but, but, Russell, but Jack Russell was a guy Wilson, we began Kirk to like Cousins. more through. Uh, well, but we loved Russell Wilson and Kirk cousins. Um, Dak was we loved them from the start. Dak was a guy who grew on us through the process after the senior bowl through through the various steps and it just it feels like Jalen uh, you know maybe that's another comparison to Dak. It feels like through the process through the course that I hated him on day one at the senior bowl and by the end of the senior bowl we're like hey man Jalen's not <laughs> Jalen's not looking that bad spinning it out there at the combine with the stuff that we're hearing the stuff we've seen with the whiteboard stuff you know um uh, what we've seen with the athletic testing and the way he was able to spin it there, you know, I, you know, your opinions of these guys can through the draft season, they can, they can, they can change in in ways that make you view these players more favorably. It feels like that's happening a little bit with, with Jalen hurts. I'm not sure that I put him on the same level of prospect though, with those other guys we talked about though, the love Herbert, and of course, you know, uh, Burrow and Tua. Well, before you know it, you're looking at a quarterback class that goes at least four deep and that a lot of folks are going to argue goes beyond that. And Jalen Hurts uh, certainly gaining a ton of momentum here in recent days. And so as we turn to some of the other player highlights here, Alex, from the last few days, I don't think there's really anywhere else you can start than on the wide receiver position with uh, Denzel Mims and Justin Jefferson, two guys who absolutely blew our hair back. We were already completely smitten with Denzel Mims leaving the senior bell. Hell, hell we left the senior bell instead of Denzel Mims runs sub four, five, five. It's time to get him square on the damn radar. That man ran four, three, eight yesterday. Alex, do you have some thoughts on the measurables that those guys put down uh, in the athletic testing? Well, I mean, Denzel, Denzel Mims, you know, my my original comparison for him was a Devontae Parker, and I'm not even sure that that still holds true now. It's like, who could who could we really compare him to? I was looking on Player Profiler earlier, and you know how much our boy Matt Kelly loves Chris Godwin. That's like one of the gods of his whole system, you know, over there. And Denzel Mims is best comparable as Chris Godwin it's like that's a much better level of comp than I originally had on him. And I'm going to need to, I'm going to need to sort of square this in my mind as of now this morning. I mean, you look at the college production, it's like 24% market share of the team's receptions, 29% market share of the team's receiving yards and a 50% market share of Baylor's receiving touchdowns last season. He was an absolute menace and a beast as far as his, his one of the best production scores that we have in this, in this whole class of the, what, how, how many wide receivers we're going to do here. Let me just count how many we have here. Um, of the 53 that we're going to do one of the top, like, let me just see who's, who's, who's production scores were, were any better. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, Better than Denzel Mims out of out of fifty three here in the twenty nineteen database for him to run a four three eight. Now my question is this: Do do, do we see a four three eight on film? Maybe 
because even if it doesn't come in the form of these long speed, you know, big long touchdowns, he was used a ton with shortened fields last year. We, t- I mean, I just, I, I just mentioned it. You know, twelve touchdowns. That was fifty percent of what Baylor was able to do last year. And you look at Baylor's quarterback situation. I mean, I like Charlie Brewer. I, I he was a kid who. You know, I've seen dating back to when he was in in high school, but he turned into more of a sort of a running threat. That wasn't a quarterback situation that a lot of people really loved. And you get to see him at the Senior Bowl, the way he was able to create separation, everything he's been able to do. Go back and listen to the Denzel Mims podcasts. Go back and listen to what Trashman had has said about. And by the way, fucking, I mean, tra- I mean, what what a call by Trashman early in the season saying that he liked. Denzel Mims better than Brian Edwards and Brandon Ayuk, um, possibly better than T. Higgins. Like that—that that was stuff that I thought was kind of crazy at the time. But this morning, I had to recalibrate my rankings. We have the Brian Edwards who has the foot injury. He's skating around the combine on a goddamn uh, what did you call it? The Matt Patricia uh, little scooter. Scooter. Yeah, uh, we have T. Higgins who's scared to fucking test. Right? He said. He, he said. He said because Clemson played much longer in the playoffs than everybody else, he felt like there's an unfair advantage that the rest of these guys have had on him and, and getting ready for their 40 and stuff. That's a scaredy-cat answer. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, scaredy-cat at the Senior Bowl, then runs a 4-5. It's like, I mean, Denzel Mims probably belongs above these guys at this point. I mean, I, I feel comfortable in what I've seen of Denzel Mims as the guy that was the best wide receiver at the Senior Bowl. I got asked a question on Twitter yesterday. I said, who's the Cooper Cup? Who's the Aaron Donald? Who's the guy that dominated the Senior Bowl this year? And, you th- and I wrote back, I said, you know what, maybe it was the, maybe it was the Ken Law kid, uh, the, the, uh, the defensive tackle, defensive end, Javon Ken Law. But it, I it, it could have also been Denzel Mims. He was that freaky there, and we've seen th- when we've seen these guys be that dominant and that freaky at the Senior Bowl, and then they come into the combine and they surpass all expectations. It wasn't like he was even shorter than we thought. He he was he's still he's almost six three. The wingspan is we've already know about the wingspan from from the Senior Bowl measurables, but like the arm length, this thirty three. I mean thirty three and seventh eighths inch arms. He has the same, basically the same arm length as T. Higgins, who is a full inch taller than he is. So, this is a this is a big development for Denzel Mims. I think what it does is it makes it to where when we're talking about the Jerry Judys, the C.D. Lambs, the Justin Jeffersons, the uh, these types of players, you know, the Jalen Ragers, the Henry Ruggs the LaVisca Chenaults, all these guys up at the very top, Denzel Mims is going to have to mix in somewhere, and it's not going to be unreasonable to have him in your top five as far as far as your overall rankings for this class. And then, of course, we know that whenever we find out landing spots, that you know that means a ton as well as what draft capital is going to mean. But as far as just from an overall – shit, did, what, people were talking about Denzel Mims last night. Like After all this, he should be a first-round pick. So it could be that Denzel Mims also has draft capital on his side. Yeah, I mean, Denzel Mims, in my opinion, locked in as basically a top five guy. And it's a testament to the depth of this wide receiver class because Denzel Mims has everything, Alex. If you take his profile in almost any other class, you could argue just based on his profile, he's a top, you know, three guy. But it's, it's, there's just, this is a stacked 
board with just unbelievable wide receiver talent at the top. So this means it's going to be an absolute steal for a team in the NFL draft and an absolute steal for roster watch nation and our dynasty drafts in just a few short months. But I mean, like, like you said, Alex, I mean, the kid has everything red shirt, senior six, three, he's got the size two Oh seven. He's got the arm length, 33 and seven, eight inch arms, the you know, pretty big hands, nine and three, eight inch hands, 16 reps on the bench press four, three, eight, uh, 40 and no 16 reps with long arms, a 38 and a half inch vertical for Denzel Mims. He jumps 10 foot, 11, 131 inches. Uh, this is an explosive player with the production to back it up. And the only question we had after seeing him dominate day in and day out at the senior bowl was, did he have an explosive athletic profile that could, uh, could, could support uh, you know, the type of talent it's going to take to really be a productive le- uh, player at the next level. I mean, there's, it's pretty difficult to deny at this point that Denzel Mims, a big, big winner of the NFL combine and a player who is rising up our fantasy football draft boards in dynasty and potentially in redraft. Uh, once we have a landing spot here, uh, I guess, shoot, I guess we're just a couple months, less than two months out from the NFL draft, Alex. I thought the other guy that won big yesterday, uh, Justin Jefferson out of LSU, I think he ran four, four. There's a lot of buzz about how arm along his arms look. I mean, the guy is absolutely silky smooth, phenomenal. You know, the, the college tape that I've seen and I mean, tons of buzz about him yesterday, Alex. I mean, it's going to be difficult. I think, it's, you, know, you know, looking at my early ranking, it's going to be difficult to rank Justin Jefferson, Denzel Mims, and probably Ruggs for me. I mean, I'm going to have to decide if Ruggs is a Marquise Hollywood Brown or if he's more of a John Ross. Uh, that's a guy that I know a lot of people have as their number one guy right now. But I mean, I, I just think that those, those three are the ones that are going to be coming in to focus for me, uh, right there, you know, at the precipice of that top five. Yeah. Well, I, and if you talk, yeah, well, first of all, Justin Jefferson, I mean, when you could pick, it's just what, when you're talking about him versus uh, say like Jalen Rager, right. Um, they their their production profile when adjusted for the context of each of their offenses is almost exactly the same even though we're talking about uh Justin Jefferson having 111 catches 1540 yards and 18 receiving touchdowns Jalen Rager with how horrible the quarterback play was at TCU he had 43 catches for 611 and five touchdowns and within our production uh, score they're you know Jay, Justin Jefferson's just at 27 percent while Jalen Rager's at 26 percent with that being said I mean how could you discount 111 catches for 1540 and 18 touchdowns I know that it was the best offense that we've probably ever seen in college football and maybe the best one of the best that we'll ever see ever again I don't know that could be that could be a lot of hyperbole you know that we won't ever see one like that again but it really was just so very prolific LSU last year and Justin Jefferson even though it feels like Jamar Chase was probably the better um the better prospect of of those two guys, Justin Jefferson was still, you know, he was, he was still the alpha and sort of the marquee guy. Um, although it was interesting, man, all of those corners that people were asking on, uh, on, was it Thursday or Friday morning uh, at the combine for the early sessions? 
boy, they asked a bunch of those SEC corners who the toughest guy that they've ever played against was in their career. And it seems like all those guys said, said, said Jamar Chase from LSU. And do you know what that also goes to show, though? That's a really good teammate that, that he had. Like, they had a, how many great, how, how, how many of these great players did they have at, at, at LSU? You know, it was, it was, there were, there, there were athletes all, there were athletes all over the football field. And so, the fact that Justin Jefferson, you know, a 27% production score within the context of that offense, to me, it means a lot. And when you watch the tape, he does look to you like a Keenan Allen. You know, he does look to you like uh, we mentioned it last night, maybe somewhat of a Stevie Johnson type of type of player, but a dude who I was planning on running in the high four or fives. You know, I, I I did not expect him to. What what did he run? A four four? Was it a four? Jeez, uh, a four four, four three four 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 three official for 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 Justin Jefferson. So that is. I mean, Keenan Allen that, was a that is that is guy, that Alex. is mind blowing because what what what, what you lo- love is is the is the you know him and Jerry Judy are the two guys in this class that I consider as the silky smooth polished separators the guys who the the guys who can cut on a dime and at, at at the at the stem of their routes transition point you know especially on these option routes or when they have any kind of two way go or like you're fucking dust dude. Like you're 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 dust in those types of situations, and if 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 Justin Jefferson has this kind of speed, it's almost like it's it, it's it, it's almost like you could count on his, Jerry Judy too with 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 his what he had a four four seven. Both of these guys showed that they can also versus some of these corners they can take the top off of the defense it isn't just necessarily having to beat them like a Keenan Allen does just being such a refined technician a Cooper Cup like these guys have the absolute speed to be able to get over the top and get things done it's 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 very exciting and like I was texting in our text chain last night with me me and you and Matt Kelly I was just like I just as at one point I just said god damn man what a wide receiver class this is and it's it's a it's a treat to go through them. It's going to be a pain in the ass to stack these guys up as far as rankings. Well, there's a point where you just separate, you know, into tiers. Are these is this a good prospect or not? Is this a great prospect? It's splitting all the hairs between number three and eight. I mean, it's fun to do. Ultimately, so much is contingent upon the landing spot. But there's a chance you might say, hey, these guys are. It's marginal the difference between these players, and these are all good prospects. I mean, that that could that could go pretty deep this year. Yeah, with Justin Jefferson, Alex. I see a slick, smooth player with natural. Uh, receiving ability. I know you threw out Keenan Allen, guys like Juju and Stevie Johnson because of how slick and you know silky smooth they are. I think when you see him run a four four three, I mean it did bring players to mind like Calvin Ridley and DJ Chark and Odell Beckham for me. I mean, so he's just a smooth fast player. I mean, that's in whatever you think about that suite of comps that we just laid out. I mean, that's a damn good list, man. So, uh, to have Justin Jefferson anywhere, but inside your top five, uh, seems very, very risky, uh, to me, Alex. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 I would say so. He's not, he's, he's not, he's not sniffing anywhere near outside of my top five. You know, I've only, I'm only through 17 of these guys so far at the wide receiver position, but, and, you know, and, and I have not, I have not slotted him in, but if I were going to slot, I I'll, I'll tell you what I, I have done CD lamb. And, uh, from what I've seen of Justin Jefferson, that's going to be a decision. 
C.D. Lamb or Justin Jefferson, I think, is a, le- is a legit decision as far as just who you think the better outright prospect is. It's just, it, it's just, look, we wait for the combine to fill out the rest of the profile. And we don't put all the weight on the combine, just like we don't put all the weight on the senior bowl. We put most of the weight on the, on, on the tape and what we can see from these guys in, in scouting them live in the live settings that we travel to. But at, at some you know, at some point you say like, well, what the combine, I mean, the combine exists for a reason. We need these athletic numbers for a reason. It means something. And for him to shine like that, it's just, it's. You know, it's just a guy that could, could, he's a guy that continues to check every box through every step. Yeah, I mean, I'm very still early in our evaluations, but post combine, just based on the general ethos and also what I've seen with my two, uh, you know, my own two eyes, I mean, you have to say that CeeDee Lamb emerging is a pretty clear front runner at this point for wide receiver one in this class, but certainly going to be a very fun evaluation and debate to have here over the next couple of months. And Alex, I think there's going to be some debate over a lot of these dynasty tight ends that maybe people weren't expecting to rear their head during this process. But I've got, you know, I had to make notes here on, on several guys based on my interactions at the combine and what I saw in athletic testing yesterday. Uh, maybe we don't need to spend a ton of time on these guys, but all names I think that we need to buzz through that are worth mentioning for any uh, real precocious uh, dynasty player out there or just lover of the NFL draft and football. We mentioned Thaddeus Moss at the tight end position, LSU. Uh, he's going to be recovering from that Jones fracture in the foot that was discovered in Indianapolis. Certainly one of the exciting uh, tight end prospects that makes this a deep class. Alex, we, we all knew about Adam Troutman after the senior bowl uh, coming out of Dayton, didn't necessarily run the best yesterday, but so far what it's did, been. What did, he, what did he end up running? Just out of curiosity, I I I, I didn't even see what that was. I can I can pull it up. But Adam Adam Trotman ran a he ran a four eight. Oh, really? four eight. I would have jumped thirty four jumped thirty four and a half inches abroad of one fourteen. A little bit underwhelming, but at six five two fifty five. Look at the agility metrics. Look at the agility metrics. Yeah, really, really nice. I mean, ninety fifth percentile. That, it, that that comes out. That comes out in his route running. Uh, that I I think his combine is fine with me. That four eight sucks, but the agility drills, I'm fine with it. The arms are a little short. I'm with you. I mean, he's a football player, and I like the fact that he was a former quarterback. I actually really liked what Daniel Jeremiah said last night. I mean, we we thought he had a lot of Dallas Goddard to him post senior bowl, which is probably a reasonable comp. But you know, he's a six five two fifty five. You know, I think he could put on ten or fifteen more pounds, but he's not. He's still somewhat slender. Does Jeremiah said he reminds him a little bit of Zach Ertz? I wouldn't totally argue with that. So Trout well, Goddard kind of reminds you of Ertz, <laughs> right? I mean, that's kind of it's it, it's, a, it's a pretty similar comp, right? With just the Goddard thing, was just because he's because he, he's from a tiny little school. Now I want to tell you about the the tight end, smaller school guy Alex. That's absolutely. Uh, kind of, I don't want to say taking the combine by, by storm, but this kid is getting quite a bit of buzz. I saw our guy, Teron Davenport, who's one of the, I mean, just, oh, geez, of just deep, deep. NFL draft intelligence on these prospects. I mean, he's the guy that's telling us, you know, about Keyshawn Johnson at wide receiver last year, the kid that ended up with the Cardinals and ended up, you know, having some contributions. Nobody knew about him. So when you know, when you see Teron snooping around a guy, you write his name down, you start paying attention. All of a sudden I started hearing uh, some more buzz about him yesterday. That's uh, Josiah Deguera, the tight end out of Cincinnati, Alex, 
242, ran 472. He put up 25 uh, reps in the bench press. Uh, this was a player that, you know, certainly I watched all the tight end drills yesterday and, you know, all the scouts were, you know, were definitely a buzz about him. And then, uh, Bryson Hopkins, Alex, I, I remember I texted you about him from the podium, uh, at his interview, uh, at, at the combine. He's, I believe he's the son of an NFL player. I, I'm not sure if you know more about that or not, Alex, but Bryson Hopkins out of Purdue just sounded extremely intelligent with his football acumen and understanding from the podium. And you see, he's a big, good looking kid, six foot four, 245 pounds, monster 10 inch, one eight, 10 and one eighth inch hands. Uh, he ran four, six, six, put up 21 reps on the you bench. You gotta be kidding me. Do you know who his dad is? Brad Hopkins, B hop from Sirius XM, man. Uh, right. It's the same guy, the old tackle from the, uh, the, the old tackle from the, uh, yeah, that's B hop man from, from NFL radio, the old tackle from the Titans. Crazy man. Small world. Four two eight in the shuttle. Uh, you, you just you know these these are guys. You know these are deeper dynasty guys that we need to start paying attention to because uh, th- these are decent performances coming out of the combine. Now, of course, there was the uh, I, I don't even. It's uh, going to be very difficult to try to pronounce this name, Alex. But Albert Unam from Missouri. Yeah, Albert O. Albert O. Four. Four four nine at the tight end position yesterday. Six foot five, two hundred fifty eight pounds, thirty four and an eighth inch arms. Monster ten and a quarter inch hands. I mean, just an absolute like the speed score, just the size, speed, you know, weight uh, ratios on this guy were literally eye popping. It was a rather historic, uh, I believe, speed score and and forty yard dash there uh, for Albert O at the tight end position. Uh, we have the kid Warner who is probably known as one of the fiercest blockers in this entire uh, tight end class. Charlie Warner, the tight end out of Georgia, uh, showed some pass catching ability yesterday as well. Uh, you know, I think he acquitted himself fairly well in the testing at four, ran a four, seven, eight, 21 reps on the bench, a, a 10 foot broad jump, 34 and a half on the vert. Uh, this is Charlie Warner tight end out of Georgia, six foot five, 10 inch hands, 244 pounds, uh, known as one of the better blockers at the tight end position, uh, in this class. Uh, Alex, I'm not sure. Have you heard the, have you heard, uh, some of these guys talking about Cole, uh, Kimmet at the tight end position? Is that, is that how you, is that how you, Kimmet. is that how you pronounce that? Kim, Kimmet. Kimmet? Yep. Out of Notre Dame. Uh, just another player that I continued to kind of, to hear his name, six foot six, 262 pounds, 33 and a half inch arms, 10 and a half inch hands, ran four, seven, jumped 37 in the, in the vertical, 123 inch, uh, broad 10 foot three. I mean, so that's a pretty for that's, that's big boy at six, six, two sixty two. So these are some big athletic kids who look like they can catch the ball and, uh, get out there. And do some blocking. And maybe you could talk for a second, Alex, about your guy, Steven Sullivan, uh, also out of LSU, converted wide receiver. A little bit on the light side, I believe, weighing in in the 240s. But he really caught our attention towards the end of the senior bowl. And then I thought he looked pretty darn good in pass-catching drills yesterday. Well, yeah, I talk, well, if we talk about pass-catching drills, 
I mean, you didn't mention Harrison Bryant from. Uh, that from, was the last. That's the last guy. Last guy on the list. Please yeah, take it away. Well, just from FAU. Just if you watch the actual drills, you saw how good he is. The way that he can, the way that he frames the football, the way he adjusts to the football in the air. I think he was better than any other tight end that was out there. I mean, it, it's not to. It was to be expected. The guy was a, you know, he was the John Mackey Award winner last year. And the guy, besides Troutman at the Senior Bowl, at least who I was, I was most impressed with, even though between me, um, Matt, and Byron, we were all very impressed with Stephen Sullivan. So I probably he would have been our consensus number number two. But uh, I, you know, Harrison Bryant did run a four seven. You know, he ran a four seven three. So. Um, Pretty good there for them. And then, yeah, Stephen Sullivan, you just, God, man, I, I was talking to him at the podium, and you just reminded what a massive, what a massive uh, wingspan this uh, this the, the, this guy has. I, I don't have the wingspan number pulled up, but he's a definitely an 80-plus-inch wingspan type of guy. And at 6'5", 248, he ran a 4'6'6", in his 40s, so a uh, big man that really, really, really got moving there. Um, the, the agility scores look really bad, so we'll, hopefully we'll be at LSU Pro Day and we'll see if we can get any improvement on that three-cone and on that 20 shuttle, but sometimes these dudes who are real tall like that, they're sometimes just, they're a little bit lumbering when they have to get down and change change direction, and that doesn't necessarily bode well for those same for those same types of you know option routes that we're talking about out of the slot for you know that we could envision a guy like Justin Jefferson running and b- being so elite at you know the, the, you know Stephen Sullivan is the guy you definitely want to move into the slot and get in those same sorts of situations. He's just not going to beat you with that same sort of twitch and change of direction uh, with the agility. He's going to beat you with that pure size and 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 with that frame. So. I just man, the more I, the more and more we talk about it, the more and more I'm beginning to think, Byron, that you're onto something with your creepy idea that this tight end class is sneaky good, man. It's sneaky good. It really is. We just talked about like ten of these guys. Yeah, I'd add the last guy. I also heard something about was Hunter Bryant coming out of Washington. I think he measured in with the biggest hands of all the tight ends at the combine. So, like you say, before you know, it, you're talking about ten dudes. They're not all going to be good. But there's, there, that means there's some gems in this tight end class uh, for sure. And, you know, as we mentioned at the outset, we're certainly waiting on more of the testing to come in uh, on the running backs. But we can tell you one thing for sure, and that's Antonio Gibson, who tested as a wide receiver yesterday. But He's we know back. is a running back at the NFL position, just blew the doors off with the sub 4-4 after he blew us away in Mobile. I mean, that's our guy, Alex. A new golden son has been born into Roster Watch Nation with Antonio Gibson. He already was a golden son. He'd already been born. It's just he'd been born now. It's just our time at the Combine where we're just holding him up to the rest of the kingdom like they do on the Lion King, right? We're saying Antonio Gibson, a golden son. It's 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 now official. And the, the the fact of the matter, we said it during that second day at the Senior Bowl. We said his burst is just different than everybody else. Just just look, just look, just watch. And you watched, and it just it just was the way he could squirt through the line and get to the second, third level of the defense. There was just something very special about a man that size being able to be that that quick. And uh, the sub four four. It certainly goes to show that he's an elite athlete that, you know, look, man, he told me uh, when I was talking to him at his table that, you know, he said, well, I'm, I'm like, why do they have you here as a wide receiver? He's like, Cause, because I'll do anything they ask me to, man. I'm just, I'm, I'm happy to be here. And I was like, well, that's fine. But do your team's telling you that you're going to be a wide receiver? 
Uh, of course, Antonio Gibson, the kid from Memphis, played sort of a running back wide receiver type of role, much like Tony Pollard did when he was th- uh, there al- alongside Daryl Henderson. And, um, you know, Antonio Gibson just said, like, look, man, I'll, I'll do whatever they ask. You know, some teams see me as a wide out. Some teams see me as a running back. Some teams see me as a mix. They can kind of kind of do both just as an offensive weapon. And I said, all right, but, but I know that sometimes the categories don't mean anything. But all of the, put, let's put it all aside. If it were up to you, what would your correct role in the NFL be, the one you'd be most comfortable in? And he said, well, it would be, it would be a running back where I could be used heavily as a, as a receiver out of the backfield or split out wide. And I said, perfect, because that's exactly how we've always envisioned you. While you're thinking about it, I will say that the comps for Antonio Gibson coming out of the senior bowl were Jalen Samuels, Joe Mixon, and David Johnson. And the more we see, the more we hear that David Johnson comp is coming square into focus. And I'll, I'll tell you, I think Antonio Gibson had a better senior bowl than David Johnson did when we were there for that one as well. So, so let's, how about this? I'm going to do a separate pod and maybe you and I will do another pod with the majority of some of these coach and GM, um, these coach and GM answers that we were able to get. And we're going to have all of those posted over at rosterwatch.com. How about we get out here with just two or three of them? So let's just choose two, two or three of these that will, uh, that, that we have good fantasy football takeaways from. I mean, the number one takeaway from Indianapolis was that, the very next order of business for Mike Mayock, John Gruden, and the Oakland Raiders is to get Josh Jacobs heavily involved in the pass catching game, which would be a major, major boon for his fantasy stock at this point. I mean, I'm so bullish on Jacobs. I think he's this year's Dalvin Cook, this year's Nick Chubb. I want him all day, every day in the first round, probably at the uh, at the end of the first round. We'll see where his ADP settles in. Uh, by draft time, hopefully we're still able to get some arbitrage uh, at that point. But for now, we need to be way, way out in front of the curve on Josh Jacobs. I want all I can handle in best ball. And essentially what Mayock said was, look, he had Josh Jacobs had. And well, why don't we just why don't we just why don't we why don't we just play the audio? <laughs> That's a better idea. Mike, this time last year, a lot of folks were getting very excited about Josh Jacobs' uh, capability as a receiver at the running back position. Is that, a, is that something you'd like to see him get more involved in year two? Yeah, well, Josh obviously had a great year. Couldn't have been happier with Josh. Uh, Josh can catch a football, and I think challenge number one for him in year two is developing those talents. Now, you got to understand, to catch the football in John Gruden's offense as a running back, not only do you have to run routes, you got to protect your quarterback. He's got the physical capabilities and the toughness to pass protect. We just have to make sure in stage two this year, this development of him as a receiver, that he can do all of it. If he's got to stay in and knock down a defensive end, he's got to do it. If the linebacker's coming, if he's got to scan. So those are hard things for a rookie running back, and we don't want to put too much on his plate. But he certainly has the physical capabilities to do it, and we're going to expect more from him this year in that department all right so there you heard it uh, byron talking to mike mayock about josh jacobs byron we're going to get to all the rest of this audio uh in uh, a podcast for early next week or over the weekend i'll have one with trash man that'll be out tomorrow but just that little tease um coming out of that about josh jacobs now do you take josh jacobs ahead of joe mixon in early best ball drafts 100% mark it down.